If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Hey, this is KT Thomas coming to you again from KT's Money Matters with your uh, tips and quips and financial ideas, ways to make money, grow money, spend money, save money. You know, one of the things that comes from the Money Matters community a lot is questions about self-employment, both building self-employed businesses, selling self-employed businesses, running a business as a side hustle, or maybe as a way out of the corporate sector. And so one of the ways it's very popular to own businesses, not just in America, but around the world, are franchise businesses, which are branded businesses where you just kind of write the check and plug in and run their system in your location. It all seems easy enough. In fact, you know, um, I have seen people buy franchises and watch them fail fairly quickly. I've seen people buy franchises and do very, very well with them. And then on the other side, what happens is at some point in time, people try to get out. I've asked a couple of my friends to join me today. They run a firm called Crescent Franchise Solutions. They're in Sarasota, Florida, and they work specifically with franchise companies and owners to help them figure out these ideas. How do we get out? How do we leverage family transition? How do we avoid estate taxes? How do we figure out what our business is really worth? And I know these are all the kinds of questions that come along with business ownership. First, some stats about franchises that I thought was really interesting. So you should know franchises are mostly a male-dominated industry, sadly, kind of like most industries. But at this point, about 72% of all franchises are owned by men. The average age or the median age of franchise owners is between 45 and 54. However, 28% of all franchise owners are over the age of 55. So this is a group of people that have been working for a long time. The average franchise owner works about 60 hours a week. And so by age 55 plus, they're kind of tired and they're wondering how I get out. Those of you that are thinking about purchasing a franchise, the average purchase price for a franchise today is about $500,000. So not a little bit to jump in. Why would you spend that money rather than just opening your own place? We'll talk a little bit about that and all the rest after the break. Your host, Katie Thomas, is the Director of Portfolio Services at New Day Solutions, a firm offering expertise in retirement planning, with more than 25 years of experience, dedicated to high net worth individuals, families, and business owners. We work with you to have a coordinated approach for your comprehensive investment goals, providing concierge service for all generations from a team who can see things from your side of the table. Go to newdaysolutions.com for more information. So franchises are a really popular way to grow your business. In fact, there are something like 750,000 franchise business options, not franchise businesses, but different franchise businesses available just in America. Now that may sound like a great big number, 
it was actually bigger in 2007. And then, of course, you know, everything fell into the abyss. And many of these small businesses uh, fell out of favor or small franchises where you spend a little bit of money to get in. A lot of times what happens is these franchises don't last. And so now we're back to about 750,000 franchises. And that franchise opportunity is growing again. So I have asked Brian Grogan and Brett Hillerich to talk to me and talk to you today about franchise. They own a company called Crescent Franchise Solutions. Brian and Brett, thanks for joining me on the show. It's a pleasure thanks to be here. Thanks for having us. So we talked a little bit beforehand about, you know, why start a franchise, say, versus just start up your own company. But from your perspective, why do you think people, you do a lot of work with franchise owners. What do you think makes them pick this model? Katie, I think the biggest reason is just branding. When you're becoming part of a franchise system, you're going to have the marketing element uh, that that corporation provides. So the biggest reason is branding. The second biggest reason is probably name recognition. And the third reason would be leverage because you're going to have other franchisors, uh, I'm sorry, franchisees within the system that can help from a cost perspective. So you should get better cost elements to be more profitable than if you were standalone. So I think that a lot of people understand that, you know, there are a lot of kind of fast food franchises. I think most people know that like a McDonald's or um, a Subway's or maybe a pizza franchise. But, you know, the thing when I was looking at it that I didn't realize is how many franchises there are in things like lodging and business related businesses. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, there's things as simple as a franchise to redo a garage, to uh, disaster recovery, to storage, uh, to eyelashes, to a dietitian. I mean, it runs the gamut. Uh, it's really amazing. If you can think of a business out there, there's probably a franchisor that would like you to come to be part of their system. So when you're thinking about starting your own business, I always say the first thing you have to do is actually figure out what you might be interested in and then what, you're, what you actually are willing to write the check for, right? Because I think that some of these franchises can be really expensive. I think I remember somewhere along the line um, that a Dunkin' Donuts franchise was about a million dollars and you had to buy two. But that was probably a few years ago. So I... These big branded franchises can be really expensive. They can, that's that's for sure. But they they run the gamut. I mean, there's all sorts of uh, different franchises that work for different people. Uh, certainly, you'd probably want to be in a business that uh, you had somewhat of a passion for and felt good about the product or service they were providing. That would be my first indication as to whether or not you'd want to be looking at a particular franchise. Uh, the other thing you want to consider, too, is how much you want to be involved. Is it a franchise that you'll be the manager and active participant running the business? Or do you want to have the ability whereby you could actually purchase a franchise and hire someone else that would handle the day-to-day operations? It's two very different models. You know, one of the things I thought was really interesting from reading this this recent article was that 54% of all franchise owners own more than one. Yeah, it's very true. I mean, certainly there's some some businesses uh, such, such as uh, Subways, for example. A lot of Subway owners will own multiple units. We were just at the IHOP conference. There's a lot of multiple unit owners there. 
Um, and, and the younger folks that are, are coming into the franchise want to acquire from the other people within the franchise system. So there's some built-in uh, planning that can be done as far as transitioning to someone else. So that's nice. But yes, multiple units certainly makes a lot of sense for some people. But there's also businesses such as gas stations that are franchised that people just own one and are, are very successful or storage facilities where they might just start off as one. Um, so it's a, it's a great way to be your own manager, your own business person, um, and then leverage the corporate structure that provides marketing and resources to be successful. And I think the multiple owners really is just another uh, great value of being associated with a franchise because you get those opportunities presented to you in a model that you're familiar with and comfortable taking on uh, versus a, you know, a non-franchise owner. You know, it's hard for them to find other businesses to purchase because they're not part of a network uh, like being part of a franchise. Well, I mean, I think the other thing, too, is once you know how to run a business, right? I mean, if you run an IHOP, you kind of know how to run an IPOP. Right. And you can replicate that in, you know, two towns over near the highway and get another IHOP franchise because you actually already know how to run one. So you get some economies of scale. That's where I think really the multiple, the multiple franchise owner model is so interesting. Absolutely. And so, in fact, there's a lot of trends going that way. You know, one of the things that came out of this survey that I was reading was that 44% of all franchise owners have a bachelor's degree, and then almost 20% have some kind of an advanced degree. So these are really business people that are looking for ways to own a business or multiple businesses. It's not, you know, just the, you know, the one girl that wants to sell cupcakes under the cupcake brand. Oh, for sure. I mean, there's very highly educated people that get in this business. There's very high, highly educated people that start uh, a business and then become, turn it into something that can be, uh, you know, partnered with as franchisee systems. Um, so there's, there's, again, there's multiple different options. There's very highly educated people that are in them. And certainly you don't have to be highly educated, though. I think that's one of the other benefits of the franchise world is if you're interested in a business, most likely they will have a program whereby to get you up to speed such that you can operate one successfully. Uh, so that's another of the benefits of being a franchise owner is they will, they have, it's in their best interest for them, for you to be successful. Right. The last thing they want is franchisee turnover. Exactly. I think that most people understand that if you work for yourself, you end up working probably a little bit more than everybody else because, you know, you're working for yourself and there's, you know, some skin in the game and, things you do for money that you do when it's your own business that you might not do if you just had, you know, the J-O-B with the company. Most franchisees tend to be people that are willing to put in the extra hours as well. So you kind of have to have that temperament or decide that you're going to have a little less revenue from each franchise opportunity because you're going to pay somebody else to run it. Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I mean, there's people that own multiple different franchise options for them. Uh, that complement each other. They want to diversify their portfolio, and there's some that operate at a high level. Um, we recently were at a conference where there was a gentleman that uh, I think he owned six different franchise um, brands. Uh, really? But they were all yeah, they're all in the restaurant space, and the nice thing is that they you know had there wasn't any competitive issues there. Um, but he's a, at the end of the day, he's a restaurant tour. He's able to run restaurants. He knows how to bring in teams that can run those for him and have the proper people in place. He's a great operator, uh, which gave him that opportunity then over the years to get scale. Nice. So when you go to, when you go to one of these conferences, one of these company franchise conferences, 
I close my eyes and I imagine a whole bunch of franchisees kind of running around, talking to each other, trying to figure out what everybody's doing, what the next thing to do is, maybe getting some information from the franchisor about what kind of products and prices are coming in the future. Um, but there've got to be a certain amount of people there talking about how they effectively figure out what their business is really worth and how they get out. And this is kind of where a company like yourself might come in and help provide some of that information. So how do you help people figure out what their business is worth? As far as valuation goes, it really depends on a couple different things. One would be on the revenue or profit of your business, uh, because there are certain businesses that will attract a higher value or higher multiple if they have higher scale. Um, if you own, you know, 50 subways or if you own 10, you're probably going to have a different scale set and you're going to have a different multiple because of that. Conversely, if it's a business that someone doesn't understand as much or has to have a specialty type of license, you're going to have a different valuation. For example, Mr. Sparky um, is a franchise that specializes in the electric electrical area. You have to have an electrical license to be a franchisee. So that's a barrier to entry. So that would inhibit your valuation. Conversely, Subway, you really just need to have cash and the wherewithal to run a business. Um, and if you're successful, then you could sell that. McDonald's franchises are kind of different from that perspective. I believe they can only own one. Is or maybe that's I apologize. That's Chick Fil A. They can only own one. So it's kind of a franchisee model, but it's more like a joint venture. So valuations kind of run the gamut. Um, okay. based on the different franchise models. The other thing that can impact evaluation um, is certainly, uh, again, as I said, scale and whether or not a private equity firm can come in, for example. For example, Pizza Huts, for example, are notorious for having private equity firms that'll come in. They might buy 150 restaurants and bring in an operator, run those because they feel like, hey, I can buy this today um, that maybe it was corporately owned. I can buy it and maybe at a multiple of four uh, four times their EBITDA, which is earnings before income taxes, depreciation, amortization. And down the road, I'm hoping I'm going to sell it in five years for seven because I bring in a team that does a better job of operating it, uh, provides better operations and better growth and things of that nature. So there's a lot of variables that go into valuation. So when you, you just talked a little bit about improving your multiples from four to 7% by managing it better, uh, how about share with my audience a little bit about what what people that own franchises and are looking to improve those multiples should be thinking about? Sure. I think the biggest thing is is uh, leverage. Um, so in your business, you have certain fixed costs, whether or not someone comes in the door or not. And the quickest way to get a leverage and increase your profit is to increase sales. So having great operations is, is first and foremost. Having great way to run your business from a your, your face of your client, your employees need to be great operators and do what they do. You need to provide a great service to them and a great product that's consistent. Uh, that's very helpful. The second thing uh, would be to have a clean P&L. A lot of business owners sometimes uh, when they want to sell, they'll spend a year or two trying to clean their P&L up, which is their profit and loss statement. Right. And getting things off there such as, hey, you know, I run the gas card for my family. I run all our cell phones. We run all these different things on there. That someone buying it, it's going to look at it and say, well, this is your bottom line. And then you have to explain that away. So a clean P&L is beneficial. But leverage is probably the greatest thing. Uh, if you can grow your top line and have that flow through to your bottom line, you're going to really increase your, your multiple significantly. 
You know, I know that, you know, I always talk to my friends who own businesses. I have a lot of friends who own businesses and clients who own businesses. And one of the things, you know, we're always trying to figure out is how to effectively get out of our business when the time comes. And a lot of times we have family issues, right? Or so-and-so mm-hmm. and son and daughter. Right. And so can you talk a little bit about family governance issues and, and transfer businesses of the franchise model within the family structure? Yeah, I would say, KT, of, of all of the the issues that we deal with, family governance is, is probably at the top of the list. We're always astounded at how many family members and usually multifamily members are in are in the business. And, and how do you handle that equitably, I think, is all of, of us that own businesses. We love our, our kids and our family members equally, but if my daughter's in the business and my son is not, and I'm going to extract my wealth out of my franchise and one day pass it to them, how do I do that equitably? And I can tell you, we've gotten to the point with some families where you know, we've brought in counselors uh, to be part of the, the conversation and to work through that with them because they just have, you know, we, you mentioned before that, you know, 60 hours a week is probably on the low end. You know, in addition to dealing with family governance, it's it's making these franchise owners take the time to step away from their business because they just haven't taken the time to think about how am I have spent my entire career building my wealth inside of these multiple franchises and I've never thought about how I'm going to get it out. So that and usually has a lot to do with the family and the personal side. So we try to bring those two together and bring clarity to that. Yeah, I also find too that people tend to like certain kinds of investments and the ones that they like and they're comfortable with, they tend to use over and over. So the idea that, you know, some people love rental real estate, so they buy a lot of it. Some people love stocks, they buy a lot of it. And some people like franchises, so they just keep putting their franchise profits back into the next franchise and the next franchise. And then all of a sudden it comes to, um, you know, it comes to retirement or selling and you say to yourself, you know, how will I ever replicate this income if I sell my franchise? I imagine that you work with people on that as well. Yeah, we absolutely do. I mean, one of the things I think is very unique about us is we're not just always looking at the business side. I don't think you're going to look at the business side without seeing how the personal side will come into play, especially in that situation that you just described. So our approach really starts off with the personal side of finances for the family, uh, working with the, the principles of the family. Could be husband, wife, could just be, you know, man or woman, whatever that may be. So we start and get a great understanding of where they are today kind of like a financial checkup, you know, where are you today? What's going to, if something were to happen to you, what would things look like? And then let's bring the fold into, you know, if we could sell your business in six months or three months or 12 months or three years or nine years, what's that going to do? And what's that going to look like? And how can we make sure that you're in a position to still enjoy the cash flow you've had as an operator uh, and an owner and still have that uh, maybe in retirement or as you make a change of careers or something like that? Uh, situation. So if you had a father franchise owner and a son that wants to take over the franchise and there's this a great amount of wealth within this franchise that ultimately will go to the rest of the family, you can kind of help them figure out, first of all, how you transfer that successfully and also how you make sure that you're still addressing everybody else, all the stakeholders, including the new retiree. Oh, absolutely. And we really focus on the tax side of things as well. Uh, the solutions that we work through generally will save anywhere from 20 to 30 percent 
of the tax bill that would be associated with the transition. Um, so that's something that obviously, you know, has a big impact on the bottom line. Um, yeah, but absolutely. We, yeah, we, we work through all that stuff. Absolutely. We've done it very successfully and it's very rewarding to help a family um, that can pass on to a, a key player within the family or to sell to a key employee or possibly if they have scale to sell to a private equity firm. So we've been able to work through all those different scenarios. So you and I have been spending all our time talking about successful franchisees and how they ultimately get out and how people might come in and acquire those successful franchises. Do you ever bump across somebody where you go, dude, you should not do this. You don't have the commitment. You don't have the time. You don't have the money. You're just going to end up being washed out. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, there's different different franchisees that we talk to and, and they feel stuck. You know, they uh, they may have worked for a long time independently uh, in a different business. And then along came a franchisee or franchisor that was, you know, in their business. And they said, hey, join me. And uh, they made that switch and they moved over and then they realized, you know what, this, this isn't better for me. It's not what right. I expected. So, so things like that do happen. Uh, when you do shine, it's very important to review your documents uh, that you have from the franchisor to understand what your obligations are and to understand the timeline. And then, you know, there's, there's ways, obviously, any business is for sale, um, but you're, you're right. I mean, different things such as, hey, I don't have the, the, the financial resources uh, is certainly certain is very important to have in line and making sure that you're not kidding yourself and, and just assuming that you're going to make it. I mean, the franchisor is always going to make it look really good for everybody because they want things to look good so that you're going to say, hey, I want to buy that franchise and I'm going to be successful. So. I would always challenge a person to make sure you do your own modeling or hire someone that can help you do that to kind of walk through some different scenarios. You know, hey, if everything's rosy, what's it look like? If everything's okay, what does it look like? And hey, if we're headed into a recession and things don't look good, what is it going to look like? Right. Can, all I three of those through, scenarios, can I ride through a bad economy with this? With this? Absolutely. What happens absolutely. if, you know, I buy a Chick-fil-A and KFC opens down the street? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, you know, I mean... There's different businesses that are more recession-proof than others. And Brian, you made me think of a kind of a success story we had a few years ago. We were working with a, a franchisor, and, and KT, to your point, the, one of the franchisees was was not killing it and was looking to sell. And just because of our experience with franchisors and looking at those documents, you know, we we realized that they didn't even have the right to bring in private equity people on a deal and you know Brent and I were able to go to that company and actually make them amend their franchise agreement which they did and allowed that for the franchise owners which was a big deal so to Brent's point it's you got to read the documents <laughs> before right. you get involved and know what your options are if one day you want to get out right the other thing is you know most people are not running around with a ton of money that they want to sink into a new business venture so Financing is one of those things you have to have figured out. How much money do yeah. you have and how much money will you need? And can you get access to that? Absolutely. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, it's very important to have a good banking relationship as you head into something like this. It's critical, you know, that you want to have a line of credit lined up uh, to prepare yourself and, and be in that situation should you need it. And it's always better to establish that heading into something versus to the point where, oh gosh, I need this. Because obviously if you're in that position, then it's going to be harder. 
Um, but having a good banking relationship is, is uh, pivotal. And there are, there's banks that specialize in the franchise world and specialize very specifically to an industry in the franchise world. Uh, and we do have those uh, contacts that we're able to help put people together uh, so that they can be successful. And so you just gave me my segue, Brian, Brett, yes, if people were interested in getting in touch with you, learning more about Crescent Franchise Solutions and more about franchise either buying or selling, how would they get in touch with you? There are three ways that you can get in touch with us uh, by phone at 941-923-3663. You can visit us at our website at crescentfranchise.com or you can text us, text FRANCHISE to 66866. Again, that is text FRANCHISE to 66866. And it's with a capital F for FRANCHISE. Brian, Brett, thanks so much for joining us today. Remember, Money Matters community, that their information and contact information is also in the show notes. I also referenced Brett and Gail's uh, small Business and Marketing Advice Newsletter, which you can find if you just Google him. He's got a kind of a very big following. He did a nice piece on the demographics of uh, franchise owners and franchisees, and he does all kinds of uh, small business information and data, and he's on the web. Thanks again for listening to me today. Also remember that if you are interested in a Money Matters makeover, please go to KT's Money Matters and fill out the questionnaire and we'll get back in touch with you. Remember, makeover shows will be done about once a month where we'll take a case, talk to you a little bit about what you're doing with your money and then talk about it on the show, how we might make changes that could enhance your financial life. No problem is too big or too small. And of course, it's complimentary and we will protect your privacy. So until we speak again. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.